brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on Auto Line this week, where the talk's all going to be about that new Ford F-150. Ford stunned the industry, coming out with a truck that's going to have an all-aluminum body. There's a lot more to the truck than just that, and we'll be getting into it, because i got three experts to talk about it, including Raj Nair, the Group Vice President of Global Product Development at Ford, uh, Doug Scott, the F-150 marketing manager, and Pete Reyes, the chief engineer on the truck, and great having all of you here. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thank you. So i, I, I got to throw this out. I'll start with you, Raj. You guys join in. How big of a debate was it inside the company? To I mean, This is a big risk. This is as big a change as we've seen in this industry. There's other aluminum vehicles out there, but nothing that comes close to the volume that the F-150 uh, sells in. So how big a debate inside was it? Um, I don't recall it being a, a debate. It was certainly a big decision. Um, and, you know, as we went through the analysis where we saw fuel economy going, when we went through the analysis of what our customers were looking for, particularly with looking for an improvement in, in capability and performance, uh, we saw an opportunity to really uh, do a very focused light weighting of the vehicle, not just for fuel economy, but to reinvest a lot of that in capability as well, which is so important to this customer. That, that is, if you make the truck lighter, the payload actually automatically increases. Exactly. The payload increases, the towing capability increases, uh, braking performance, acceleration, ride, handling, all of it gets better. Um, and when we went through the technologies that were available to us to achieve that light weighting, we have had a lot of experience in aluminum, uh, built aluminum intensive vehicles, uh, back when Jaguar Land Rover was, was part of Ford, we did a lot of the advanced engineering on, on the aluminum research for them. And um, we felt like we had a pretty strong proposition to, uh, to do an increased use of aluminum. But as you know, it's, it's more than just the aluminum, right? We uh, did achieve significant weight savings via that, but we also have a lot more high-strength steel in the frame. Uh, we've optimized a lot of the designs inside the vehicle and in the chassis components. So... You know, about 70% is in, in the body in white, but the remaining 30% is, is in the chassis and other parts of the weight savings. Pete, why did you guys go all aluminum with the body? Why not just do the hood or some other panels, you know, sort of get your feet wet, so to speak, and this kind of volume with aluminum? Uh, you know, back to Raj's point, as we were studying it, uh, we actually did have sort of an all-aluminum study and then a partial aluminum study, but the numbers, the thing that probably tipped us, the numbers were really strong uh, as you took... Uh, that extra weight out 
particularly around being able to reinvest that back into more trailer towing and more hauling. So uh, one looked like a good plan and the other one just looked like a great plan. And to Raj's point, when we started adding all the other benefits to the lightweighting over and above just, hey, this is a bit more of an efficient vehicle, uh, that's probably what uh, juiced the discussion and really got us going down that path. So it was, it was an all-in, and we knew how to do it. So Yeah. Doug, i got to believe one of the biggest challenges in Ford marketing this truck is convincing the public that this aluminum truck is still Ford tough. Well, you know, John, we did a lot of advanced work. Uh, we had a number of work streams that started at even before the program really kicked off, and one of those was around customer acceptance. And w- the more and more we looked at it, the more we understood that the majority of our customer base, probably 80% of the customer base, already had fairly extensive day-to-day experience with aluminum uh, in their activities, whether those were toolboxes or ladder racks or, you know, dump bodies or, you know, boxes on on second unit bodies on chassis cabs. So they knew that aluminum was not only lightweight but really had a lot of strength properties um, that that uh, that had to be it had to be a tough material and had to measure up. So for those people, it was an easy walk to aluminum and why that was the right decision. The other twenty percent, we knew that we'd have uh, some work to do, and and uh, uh, we're willing to take that on. I got to believe, even if somebody knows in toolboxes or tools or whatnot. They're going to worry about the bed of the truck, where you're throwing things right. into it, slamming right. the, the tailgate on it uh, every single day. i, I got to believe that there's still areas of concern, even amongst those who know that aluminum can be strong. Well, we're not taking anything for granted, and we'll always, uh, the foundation is built for tough. That's what we're all about. And so we'll take the necessary steps, some of which we've already uh, shared with people, the fleet testing that we've done, and we put aluminum beds in service with uh, several um, uh, severe duty uh, users around the country and really let them punish those beds. And, and again, we'll be sharing that as we go along just to show that the, the material definitely measures up. I, I want to hear a bit more about that in the, in the thinking. My understanding is that you put tr- aluminum trucks in the field, in fact, even put them in racing in the Baja 1000 mm-hmm. without telling anybody that, the, that this was aluminum. How, how, why and what came out of it? Why did you do it? What came out of it? Well, again, it's just real-world testing. So the, I'll start with Baja most recently, and that was kind of interesting to build a truck that looked like today's truck that really was a aluminum alloy. We used the new frame, uh, used the new 2.7-liter EcoBoost engine, and, and ran the 891 miles of the, you know, the Baja you know, uh, right under everyone's nose. So, again, that's a, a probably the most severe off-road race out there, and so a testament, again, to, the, to the, not only the 2.7, but the the material, and then of course we had the um, the beds and the um, uh, vehicles for the uh, several construction companies and and uh, mining um, uh, concerns. Now, now, were they aware that they were getting aluminum trucks? They were not when the trucks were placed out into the field, and so they you know they knew it was a prototype of some sort, but you know they had the uh, what looked like today's truck with an aluminum box and and treated it the way they normally do and uh, uh, they blind really, test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the feedback out of that test was good. Very good. Very strong. If I could add to that, there was also just a practical reason. We've had hundreds of prototypes running around that are aluminum. Um, They weren't camouflaged. And the reality was, in order to get your powertrains right, your braking systems right, all of the uh, core uh, dynamics and the working end of that truck right, you've got to build it to its right weight. And we went back and forth on ways to cut pillars out, take seats out, and there was no way we could get 700 pounds out of 
uh, cobbling a top hat together for these prototypes. So we just ended up with, uh, you know, a number of uh, vehicles and a number of fleet sets of vehicles mm -hmm. that were looked exactly like today's F-Series, but were all made of aluminum. And we've been doing that since '09. Uh, so this has got to be a longer-term development than normally would happen with the F-Series? The uh, program timeline was typical to F-Series, but what was different was the upfront work. So before we kicked off the program, uh, we built two phases of prototypes where the underbody was the current F-150, uh, not the new one that we've got with the truck. And the upper body looked exactly like today's F-150, but, but was aluminum. And it was, uh, it, it was that testing uh, to determine what gauges, what alloys, uh, what reinforcements we were going to need to start a program. Because once you start a program, typically in steel, you know exactly what you're doing in terms of uh, steel strengths and gauges right from the start. And you start developing right in the studio what that vehicle wants to look like. So... We needed to know uh, where all our 6,000 series alloys were going to go, about what gauges, when we kicked off the program. So there was upfront work to build the architecture, and then, then, then it was typical program timing. Raj, i got to believe, too, that there was a lot of upfront work in planning out the supply chain, in planning out the, the manufacturing process. Th this changes a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly working you know, really closely with our, our aluminum partners, this is going to be a very big increase relative to the use of automotive-grade aluminums, and, and not just in the amount, but in the alloys that we were looking for. And we had some very specific technologies, some very specific heat treatment processes that we wanted to use to, to get the high-strength alloys that we felt were appropriate for the truck. And so it was a really close partnership with our, our aluminum suppliers, both in terms of the capacity but also the technology. Uh, that we wanted to use in the truck, and, and that's gone very well for us. And uh, as you can see, there's a, they're getting a lot of calls now. They're getting a lot of calls, but uh, uh, the aluminum producers have even told me it's going to take three years for them to put the capacity in place if another competitor of Ford wants to do the same thing with their pickup, that there just is not that much capacity out there right now. Yeah, and as far as an aluminum producer, uh, the automotive industry is big, but it's not their biggest industry. You know, they're, they're supplying aluminum to a lot of other industries, and therefore the capacity is tight overall, and it was important for us to have a very early partnership with them, and, and that's why we were developing things early. We saw this trend coming in the industry. We saw the capabilities that we could do with aluminum alloys in high volumes, and we felt it was important to, to develop those partnerships early, and get the capacity agreements in early. You mentioned before you learned a lot when Jaguar and Land Rover were mm -hmm. part of Ford Motor Company. They both have gone very aluminum intensive. What did you learn when, when they were still part of the group? Well, uh, is it the, the stamping, the weld? I, I mean, what all is involved that, that Ford really picked up on during that time frame? I, I think we learned in all aspects of it, um, on the engineering aspects of, of aluminum, on the stamping, uh, you know, the, the desi die design is different for aluminum than steel. It does behave differently. Uh, certainly on the welding, uh, later on uh, mechanical fasteners that we're using in, in the 552 program. And we've moved even beyond uh, some of the research we did with them, um, particularly in, in the aspect of the alloys we're using now, and also the transition to really high-volume manufacturing. And, and certainly Jaguar and Land Rover are very aluminum-intensive, but they're relatively low volumes compared to an F-150. And so it's, it's a bit of a different business when you're building F-150-type volumes. 
Alan Mulally, the CEO of Ford, who of course came from Boeing, says, ah, he knew all about aluminum, spent most of his career in it. Did, did that help having a CEO who truly understood, you know, the, the properties of aluminum and going with the crown jewels of the company profit-wise with this truck? I think it, it helps overall. Uh, you know, Alan's engineering background has always been very helpful when you're in product development. And certainly his experience in aluminum as a, an extremely well-known material in aerospace um, and the levels of reliability that they're looking for and knowing they can trust aluminum for that uh, certainly helped in uh, the whole organization understanding where we're going and having some faith in the engineering that aluminum was going to be uh, just fine. Doug, I was intrigued uh, when the truck was unveiled to the public at the Detroit Auto Show recently. Aluminum was never made, never, the word aluminum was never used in the presentation to the media. Mm -hmm. Why did you not do that? And are you going to use that word with the public when you go and market the truck? Um, gosh, John, I, I, that's that's news to me. I, <laughs> we do, I, we said a lot. I think we've talked uh, you know pretty regularly about uh, you know high strength aluminum alloy, and uh, and throughout, as we've said, uh, the uh, application of these lightweight materials, advanced lightweight materials like the aluminum alloy and high strength steel, are a big part, and we're going to be very clear about. The advantages, all those advantages, as Raj talked about, the capability advantages, but clearly this is the toughest um, F-150 we've ever built. So we're very confident about that, and we'll, as the months you know proceed and we get closer to launch, we'll do more and more to to really demonstrate that and bring bring that to life. So, as the executive in charge of marketing this truck, do you want to spend more of your time just talking about the truck and not aluminum, or how much do you want to talk about aluminum? Well, we want to focus on, our customers want a better truck, John. Really clearly, they want a better truck. They're not um, as interested in the material. They want a truck that is a more productive tool, a truck that will tow more, that will haul more, that will do it more efficiently. So that's where the majority of our focus is going to be, is really showing how this new F-150 is uh, really the new standard of full-size pickups. And that's not just... Just the marketing, right? We, we didn't go out to engineer an aluminum truck. We went out to engineer the best truck we've ever done. And aluminum was just part of that solution. Right. And so was the high-strength steels, and so were the technologies put in the truck, uh, the 2.7 EcoBoost. And this truly is, you know, the toughest, most capable F-150 we've ever done. How do you convince the public that this can be easily repaired in the field and it's not going to cost them an arm and a leg? You know, what, what amount of your marketing communications will involve that? Well, there's already a, um, a work stream that's you know, begun on that, uh, John, at the uh, National Auto Dealers Convention just a few weeks ago. Um, uh, we launched a, a whole initiative, a training initiative, for both dealer-owned body shops and the independent channel to get them prepared and ready to uh, work on aluminum. And, and there's a uh, Ford Customer Service Division has a plan to really uh, market and talk about um, uh, repairs and repairability and the importance of um, original equipment manufactured you know, parts and so forth. And so we'll, we feel very confident by the time we're ready to launch the truck in the fourth quarter that that will be uh, you know, very clear to our consumers. I know in talking to the independent repair shops, they love this. Mm -hmm. They love it. And here's why. Because Audi's going aluminum, Jaguar, Land Rover, Ford, your co other competitors are now going to get in. Well, an independent shop can repair any brand there is. So they make one investment in the tools. They can serve as a bunch of brands. They see this as actually a big opportunity no, for them. Absolutely. And, John, the thing that we've really emphasized to our customers is that today with the current truck, 
Um, 80% of our customers are within two hours or less of a, um, a capable repair facility. That's not going to be any different with this new truck. We'll be able to meet that same standard. Uh, in fact, really it gets even better when you, when you look at, um, you know, almost 90% are within, um, you know, half an hour of a, a capable repair facility. So, um, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time looking at that and really making sure that uh, we could address the um, repairability aspect and uh, cost of ownership. And we're repairing aluminum on, on today's truck, right. and we've also designed this truck to actually, uh, for repairability, actually be easier than today's truck on a lot of the panels. So that'll factor into this as well. How do you make it easier to repair? What do you, what do, you do? The ability to, to replace a panel. Uh -huh. um, and so on some of the fastening methods, it's uh, you know not tearing through welds to replace panels, so we can do full panel repairs much easier than on, on today's current vehicle. The number of hours to do that comes down. Uh, also, not just in, in the body, but other areas of the vehicle where you have to remove less parts to be able to get at a repairable, uh, repairable panel. Um, and so the hours per repair we're anticipating are also going to factor into making this really not that much different from today's truck as far as repairability. So you've got to look at the total package, Absolutely. not just focusing on one part of it. Pete, did your engineers come, ever come to you and go, geez, Pete, I don't know what to do with this aluminum. Was there a big learning curve or no, was it I, fairly I, easy? You know, you hit it on it earlier where it's, some of the biggest challenges were the volume. Um, I might have been that first person when <laughs> they came to me in 2010 and said, can you be the chief uh, of the next F-150? We think we want to do it in aluminum. There's this works going on. And the first group I met with was our research group. And we've got a core uh, group in research that has been doing aluminum for 20 years. It started back when we did uh, a whole fleet of Taurus and Sables when we were thinking about that. But then they, they did morph into helping the Aston Martins and the Jaguars, and they've just continued to develop this tool. And one of the first things they said was, Pete, you know, we absolutely know how to do this. And I was saying, I, well, a truck? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's the right alloys. It's the right gauge. It's the right stiffness. No problem. The challenge is volume. And so um, a lot of the things that Raj has talked about or that you mentioned, high volume, have been challenges and exciting. It's been, it was exciting working up front trying to figure out um, with uh, our partners, can we get enough of this sheet? How do we manage that coming through? Um, when it came to service, one of the things that the team got excited about is uh, we're going to be part of changing not just Ford. We're going to be part of not just making a better truck. We're going to be part of changing the auto industry for the better because the work we're going to do is lay the foundation for everybody else who wants to follow, whether it's more Ford vehicles, competitors. And so um, the challenge was around changing the industry and doing it in a big way. And that was very exciting. Uh, but that was just a, you know, that was fun. The real fun was developing the truck and uh, developing the truck around the light weighting, uh, whether it's been our own dealer body, but certainly our engineers, when they get into a truck that's 700 pounds lighter, you can feel it in the first 50 feet. It is, it's surprising. It's a big number, and it's a number that you can feel. And Raj touched on it, whether it's uh, steering, handling, braking, everything about this truck is more nimble. The fact that you've got less mass that you're carrying over bumps, over hills, uh, just make it uh, easier to manage. And, you know, weight begets weight. You add weight to something, you've got to put weight on all the other components. We did the opposite. You take weight out of certain areas, and you can, you can lightweight the whole thing. So um, long answer to your question, but uh, <laughs> we, we were very excited to be a part of this, uh, both for the customer and then broader for the industry. 
What's it feel like? Because when you describe, oh, yeah, in 50 feet, you can tell the difference. I believe it. As an enthusiast, I love anything that uh, reduces the mass of a vehicle, like you say. Handles better, drives better, accelerates better, brakes in a shorter distance. But trucks are about that heft. Do you lose that feeling in it? Would that turn off any buyers? No, I don't think so. In fact, uh, our current F-Series today, and a lot of trucks have been progressing very much to um, a, a nimble... Uh, stable feel for the truck. The idea that you want to just sort of lumber and bounce down the road has been gone. And maybe most significantly for us back in 04, when we did the all new with the, when we introduced the box frame and the sophisticated suspension, uh, I would say this is very much on a progressive uh, line for that. And customers have been adapting to that uh, for a long time. Yeah. Raj, does Pete mentioned, change the industry. Everyone in the automotive industry globally is lasering in on that F-150 now, trying to learn everything about it. Is this a tipping point? Do you think the industry will go far more to aluminum, aluminum now? Um, you know, I think the industry is going to have to, to make uh, the decisions on their own. Um, I think, you know, when you're the truck leader, um, that means, you know, sometimes people are going to follow <laughs> Um, but we're, we're pretty happy to be in the lead of that. And um, it depends on the segment. It depends on, you know, their physical location. depends on their engineering capability, and they're going to need to make that decision on their own. But I think us being the truck leader and the reputation we have in engineering uh, the best trucks in the world, I think it's going to be a pretty strong statement that it's something they should take a hard look at. Will we see more aluminum-intensive vehicles coming out of Ford yet this decade? Um, I think you're going to see an increase in, in aluminum in general. Uh, you're going to see an increase in, in high-strength steels. You're, you're going to see an increase in carbon fiber. Um, so all the tools that we have available to lightweight the vehicles are going to be important, both in the attributes that we're talking about, critically important for um, F-Series customers, but also in the regulatory requirements. Uh, we know that the fuel economy requirements are going to be higher going forward, and, and lightweighting is a great tool to deliver on that. Uh, as well as the other technologies we have in the vehicle, like EcoBoost technology, which has also been a big part of our you know, blueprint for sustainability and our improvement in fuel efficiency. Oh, it, it's been huge. I think you guys are going to have turbocharged engines up and down the line, uh, are you not? Yeah, with a very short amount of time. With this, and uh, we just introduced the Expedition in Dallas with the Brie 5 EcoBoost, and that's a well-proven engine in the F-150 already. The new 2.7 in, in Pete's truck. The new 2.3 liter uh, in the Mustang and a rear wheel drive and a 2.3 liter in the front wheel drive in the MKC. So that means we've got EcoBoost technology, as you said, across the full lineup. Is it fair to say that the first half of this decade was really about powertrain in terms of getting fuel efficiency, and the second half of this decade is going to be really lightweighting? I think it'll be both. I mean, we go through all of the technologies, whether it's vehicle or powertrain, and go through the parade of what's the best buy for fuel economy as well as delivering efficiency and capability for our customers. And, uh, you know, this is the tipping point for us in any case on the truck side that aluminum really makes sense for us. Um, but you're going to see increased use of, of powertrain technologies as well and increased penetration, as we said, of the EcoBoost technologies of, of higher speed transmissions. And so it'll be the, the full deployment of technologies be required to, to deliver the, you know, very high f fuel economy requirements going forward. Doug, does the, does the public care? Does the public care that this is aluminum or this is high-strength steel or it's EcoBoost this or carbon fiber that? Or do they just want to know the vehicle will get the job done that 
is the reason that why they're buying it. Well, John, as I said earlier, I think predominantly they want a better truck. They want um, the best F-150. Um, they want a more capable truck. Uh, I think we do want to, to the to extent you talk about things like high-strength steel, that's a, that gets to the core of the strength and what Built for Tough is all about. And um, again, also happens to benefit us on the lightweighting side because we increase that that uh, content of high-strength steel from 23% to 77%. So we get a stronger, stiffer frame, but we also get a frame that's 60 pounds lighter. So it contributes in both ways. So that's important not to overlook that or, or not to just take it for granted, but primarily it's about we're delivering a better truck, a truck that does more and does it more efficiently and makes them more productive. And that's important. You know, when we say that, People have a tendency to think about the vocational user, that he's the only person uh, really interested in productivity. But even the personal use um, customer is thinking about how quickly can I get my truck hooked up to the trailer and get to the lake and get out on the water doing what I love to do. So productivity is a different slant. It's about the use of my time, my precious time, but it's still the same, same basic idea. Is there a cachet, though, to having aluminum, high-strength steels, all these uh, exotic alloys? And I ask it in this sense. If you look on the the luxury side of the business, uh, Audi brags it's the first one into the market with LED lights. Now, BMW is bragging it's going to be the first with laser headlamps. Mm -hmm. Is there a cachet for the F-150 buyer to say, yeah, this is the most technologically advanced pickup on the market? Uh, I think to a degree there is. I think that, you know, we like to say leaders lead and, you know, we're clearly doing that. And I think we're even in the in the month since we've revealed the truck, we've gotten a lot of that feedback that this is what people would expect afford to to be the one to make this step. So I think to a degree that will benefit us. Raj, anything that surprised you about this program that you didn't expect coming out of it? A couple of things. I mean, there's just, you know, I know aluminum's a big story, but, I mean, there's so much more to this truck than that. And, um, you know, when we did um, the Baja, right, and, yes, it was aluminum, but it was also the new frame. It was the 2.7 EcoBoost, and the the truck didn't flinch through that. Uh, When we did the market research, you know, we don't go into the research and say, by the way, that the truck is made of aluminum. It's all about what's the appearance of the truck, what's the features of the truck, what's the pricing of the truck. And coming back, back from that in some of the best research results we've ever had, just, you know, Grand Slam home run, we're feeling really good about that. Um, the first drives of the prototypes when literally, you know, what Pete's referring to is him sitting next to me and then me taking off and then 50 feet just looking over at him and smiling. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was that kind of aha moment. And, and, John, you and I have talked about that 50-foot test, and it really is. The first 50 feet of driving this vehicle is just incredible. Yeah. And so we're feeling good almost on every front of this new truck. And uh, we really think this is the most comprehensive redo we've ever done of a segment that we're clearly leaders in, and we're just setting a new standard. Pete, real quick, we're down to the very end. Anything okay. that surprised you about doing this whole truck or what, the, the reaction to it? Yeah, the, the surprise maybe was uh, support inside the company, from management right down to engineering. We you know, you take on these projects, there's a number of milestones where you have to get through financial gateways, and projects are always very difficult. They've got to meet all of these uh, targets. In this case, it didn't matter what review I was going to, there was, a, there was an enthusiasm and an excitement, and whether it was research, our finance group, our marketing group, management, everybody was pulling the oar in the same direction. They said, wow, this is fantastic. So internally for me, it was just, wow, the, the whole company wanted to do this, knew we could do it, and uh, we, we, we kicked it off and have never flinched.
Well, I know it's going to be later in the year when I get a chance to drive it, but I can't wait to drive it. And I'm going to do that 50-foot test, <laughs> so I'm sure it'll pass with flying colors. And it's uh, very unique. My hat's off to Ford Motor Company. Very gutsy decision to do this. But Pete Reyes, Doug Scott, Rajneer, thanks so much for coming in and talking all about the new F-150. And I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.